Jesus be the center be my source be my life Jesus Jesus be the center be
into our hearts, Lord. Thank you for being our Savior, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello there. My name is Pip. I am one of the pastors here at Door of Help. Welcome. Really glad to, uh, to see you guys. And for those people listening online, we're glad to digitally interface with you in some sense. Uh, yeah, really glad to have you all here. So a few announcements uh, before we kind of get into the actual sermon itself. First and foremost, Sunday gatherings. So We've been having Sunday gatherings at 9 and 10.30, and as some of you may have heard, on Friday, the governor announced new guidelines for the coronavirus in light of the recent uptick in cases, significant uptick in cases. So part of those guidelines include changing the limits on faith gatherings, which was at 50, and now it's going down to 25, as well as kind of discouraging unnecessary social gatherings in general. So as a result, Dorf Hope's elders perfectly thinking it through, have decided to switch to only having one small Sunday gathering starting next week, and during that time we'll still be capturing the service, service uh, video and audio, putting it online, all that kind of stuff, but we'll no longer have open registration for that, and we, we know this is a bummer, we're, we're sad about it, but we're trying to navigate this situation wisely and seek to honor the government, but also be faithful to our church body and faithful to meet as much as we, is, it seems wise and, and uh, uh, salient, so doing that, uh, and we just encourage you we cont- to continue connecting with community, church community, just as much as possible. Perhaps you're listening online right now, but just we have community groups, some of which are actually meeting online, and, you know, technology is such a blessing in that, in that regard. And let's continue to pray for our state, our country, our world, just in the midst of all that's going on. So as part of that, I want to say, if you have not already really encourage you to sign up for our church newsletter online. Just head to the website. You'll see a a link that says newsletter. That contains, every Sunday we send out our Sunday sermon and just info what's going on with the church. That is a really great great way to to stay connected. So that's at doorofhopepdx.org. Next, uh, for today, just want to briefly run through, as, as we always do, just kind of the the, the details of what we're doing today. So there's a bathroom out in the rotunda, just if you walk out here to the left. The downstairs has a preschool room open. Uh, if you have kids who are getting kind of squirrely or screaming, you can take them downstairs. We'll have like a live feed of this so you can watch it. So that's there. If you'd like to give to support the church's ministry, there's a giving box right back at the end of the rotunda there. You can also give online through PushPay, which is a which is our, our giving app. Uh, just head to doorofhopepdx.org and click give, or you might already have Pushpay right in your phone. 
We're asking you folks who aren't on the stage to wear masks, observe social distancing, and at the very end, you'll exit through that side door and you can see Josh. Uh, he'll be right outside as you're on your way out. Lastly, uh, Portland Rescue Mission. So one of our, our, our ministry partners in the city is Portland Rescue Mission, which provides food, shelter, recovery, and other vital services to men, women, and children affected by homelessness, addiction, and abuse. Uh, and with colder weather coming in, we're uh, seeking to partner with them to help host a, a warm clothing blanket drive in order to help them, especially as just it's winter, things are getting cold. So they're looking for large blankets, men's jackets, as well as gloves, hats, scarves, and travel-sized toiletries. So you can drop off uh, items actually right at the back. There's a big bucket for those. Uh, or at Life of Pie Pizza restaurants. There's two of those in the city, and just my personal opinion is that it's best pizza I've ever had, very dear to my heart. So if you go, you should probably have a slice of pizza as well. But you can drop it off here, whether today or next week. Uh, and if you head to the website and go to the events page, there's some more details on alternate ways you can get that dropped off. And now I'm going to invite up Josh. We're going to be having a baby dedication, which is going to be very sweet. Again, really happy to see you guys. And head to the website if you have any questions about anything we have mentioned. So. Hello, everyone. It's good to see all of you. I'm going to invite up Emily and Matt and little Olivia. Olivia, you're not looking super happy right this second. How you doing? How you doing? Are you going to come here? Can you come here? Come here. Oh, there we go. How you doing? Are you good? Well, as you guys know at Door of Hope, uh, we do not do baby baptisms. Uh, but we, oh, you want that, don't you? But we do believe that as a community of faith that we have a, a responsibility to care for one another, to carry one another's burdens. And what greater burden and blessing is there than being parents? Uh, our children are such a gift uh, and parenting in this day and age is a daunting task and protection for our little ones and a covering over them and there is power in prayer, and we believe uh, that there's a real power in just bringing our children before God and the community and just praying for God's blessing over them. Uh, and so dedicating uh, our little ones uh, to, to know and to love and to serve Jesus for all of their life. And so uh, what we want to do is just pray for Matt and Emily. We want to pray over a little Olivia. And so I, what I'd love for you guys to do is just to extend a hand out toward this family, and let's pray a blessing over them. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. Um, I thank you for this beautiful little girl. I thank you for the gift of life. And I pray your Holy Spirit over her, even now upon her, that she would know you, that she would love you, that she would walk with you all the days of her life. I pray for Matt and Emily. I pray that you would bless them with a divine wisdom uh, that, that would give them insight into how to care for this little one. And Lord, I just thank you for this family and we as a community of faith just lift them up to you and commit to covering them in our prayers uh, and to being engaged uh, as a community of faith. And so Lord, we love you and we give you this little one who is yours, who you created. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Look at that. She waved at you while you were praying. And yes, I was looking. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any act of normalcy in these days is just a gift, is it not? Uh, man, I slept, I slept three nights in a row, full night's sleep. I just feel like a new human being. My family, we're living in our house now in the upstairs. Uh, I thought we were, I'm so optimistic, like obnoxiously optimistic, um, uh, that I was convinced that when we bought the house, you know, like I didn't really think about the fact that when you tear out an entire room and bring it down to studs that you do have to put it back together and that it might take longer uh, than it took to tear it down. Um, and so, uh, yeah, four and a half months uh, later, we thought we'd be in in two months. Uh, and people in the neighborhood are like, man, you guys are in fast. I'm like, really? It doesn't feel that way. Uh, but we have the upstairs finished and hot water. It's great. I'm showered today. Uh, it, was, 
six days uh, last week of just working every day with only cold water. This is not a fun way to shower. Uh, so uh, we are continuing in our uh, disciplines of grace. And today we are going to be looking at prayer, what I call the practice uh, of asking. And I want to just begin with Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. And it says, ask, this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He has a lot to say about prayer uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I would just, before I even read this, just would say, the disciples, we don't have any record of the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to preach. But what they do seem to ask him is what they believed, I believe, was the source of his power, which was his prayer life. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He is speaking not of access into things here. He is speaking of access to a God who has pursued humanity uh, and he being the living embodiment of God's concern and care for humanity as the son of God stands before this group of people and says, I'm available, come to me. I want you to know me the way that I know you. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, notice that he says that to his disciples. If you want to know, uh, have a strong sense of low anthropology, there you have it. Uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I'll just follow that up with the passage from James chapter four, verse three. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. He also says you have not because you ask not. So there's the possibility of asking for the wrong thing, which is you're not asking for God, you're asking for things, or you're, asking, you're not asking at all, which I would argue is the bigger problem. The bigger problem is that most of us will not come to the end of our lives and have the overwhelming sense that we prayed too much. <laughs> uh, and this morning, what I want us to consider is the place that prayer occupies in the Christian economy. Martin Luther was known to pray uh, three hours every day, uh, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Someone, one of his assistants overheard him praying and talked about the power and the reverence in the sense of familiarity that was found in the way that he prayed. Even when he was reciting the Lord's Prayer, there was some kind of intimacy and familiarity that the person took note of. But when Luther was asked about why he spends so much time in prayer, he says, I have so much business, I cannot go on without spending three hours daily in prayer. There's so much to do, I can't afford not to pray. This is the necessity of prayer. Now, here's the thing. When we think about prayer, uh, it, it, can be, it can be an overwhelming thing and it can quickly become a legalistic thing. And remember, these are the disciplines of grace. Uh, and we at Door of Hope put an emphasis on radical grace, on the gospel. And I believe that we do a great disservice to the body of Christ when we try to drive the disciplines home by creating guilt at the lack of in our lives. Uh, and I want to just say this, that he's our good father. And as a father who is evil, according to Jesus, uh, I know how much I love my kids. And I can think of a specific moment in which I took a flight to London with my son Henry. And I thought this is going to be the moment where him and I have time to really connect. And 12 hours later, and four movies later, there was maybe five minutes of conversation on the whole flight. 
And when we talked, do you think that the first thing I said to him is, we could have been talking this whole time. No, I just was so grateful to be with my son. I was so grateful to be, by. did I want more conversation? Of Yes, of course. But I just love being with my boy. And the moment he wanted to engage with me, I was just so excited that he wanted to engage with me. It was like I didn't even think about that other than I'm going to use that as a sermon illustration someday at his expense when he's not here. Um, and so and the, the fact is, is that I, I love my son. I'm just grateful anytime he wants to spend time with me. Our father in heaven knows how broken we are, knows the challenges we face, knows the glitches in our temperament. None of it has taken him by surprise. And he is not interested in you entering into relationship with him out of guilt. That is not what grace creates. Grace should eradicate guilt and you should recognize if you've come here today and you haven't prayed in weeks and months, maybe you've never developed any kind of sense of prayer, I want you to know that Jesus is crazy about you. And the moment you look up to your Father in heaven, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. He's not saying, once you know him, then you can call him Father. He is working from the basis that because of what Jesus has done, you are in this position where you have a father who loves you and cares for you. And because of that, we need to recognize that prayer is a difficult discipline. None of us know how to pray as we ought to. In fact, let me just share this quote from Karl Barth that I think sums it up so well. Is there a person who can rightly say, I can pray? I fear that the people who want to say that are in truth the very people who cannot pray. And conversely, those who lament, I cannot pray, are the ones to tell for this very reason, you are in truth very close to praying. Real praying is something that we cannot do, but something that happens not on the basis of an ability, but because God has accepted us as his children. There is no art of praying. There is only the simple permission of a child of God Making use of this permission is what you should do when you cannot pray. What a powerful and profound statement. When our children are little, we don't expect them to come to us and enter into robust conversation. We're told that the, we do not know how to pray as we ought to. And the spirit is, we give, uh, I think that often our prayer life probably sounds like children trying to learn how to talk. And when our children try to learn how to talk, we don't go, speak clearly. <laughs> We're like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Listen to them, say that word. Why does fox always sound like a dirty word out of a toddler's mouth? <laughs> All these things, I'm just giving you a little family insight, uh, how we used to have Hattie say it because we thought it was funny. Um, but this is the reality. We, we don't know how to pray as we ought to. And the, in the most honest position of the child of God is to say, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. So I just kind of came up with like five things of what prayer is. And once again, uh, I had so many requests for the notes last week. I'm just going to continue to make that available um, be, because this is a little more prescriptive than I usually am. Uh, you're, feel free to email me any. Sunday for my, for my sermon notes. I'm happy to give them to you because I'm primarily an extemporaneous preacher, so they are really, truly outlines. Uh, so uh, you, you can even get them and go, I don't think that he stayed on task. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so first of all, prayer is access. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I would say if prayer is anything, it is really access to, and you could call it prayer as connection, you could call it prayer as relationship, you could call it prayer as conversation, but at the end of the day, what it means is that we have access to a God who has pursued us. Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses our distractions, our, our glitches, our misguided requests. We don't have someone that doesn't understand that aspect of us. We're like little children trying to figure out how to talk. 
He understands. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. We have a God whom we have access to that understands the intensity of life, the impossibility of it. And yet he did not sin. And there is the thing. He has to be man enough that we can relate to him, but God enough that he can save us. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Prayer is access. It's connection. It is this reality that we are not wrestling with God's reluctance, but we are grabbing a hold of his willingness. His, clear, his sheer delight in his children acknowledging him, looking up to him, recognizing their helpless need for him. Uh, prayer is not a program for conning God into catering to the needs of our lives. I think there are too many sincere and persistent prayers that have gone unfulfilled. Prayer is a place where we constantly bring our deaths, as uh, Capone writes, to his death and find his resurrection life. It's where we come to him with our brokenness and our absolute surrender. Remember, the first practice was the practice of surrender. Lord, I surrender everything to you. But that's what opens up our prayer life. As our prayer life is, is coming, is, is an access to a God who is here to help us. But sometimes it's hard to ask for help, isn't it? My wife always accuses me of that. Like, why do you insist on moving into the house without a, She'll like bug me all week. Have you asked people for help? And I'll be like, no. And then moving day comes. And then I have figured out all these weird methods of how to kill myself and move into my house with literally almost zero help. And I even like figured out, I took two couches upstairs by myself the other day. And it's, it, it, it's like stupid. I'm just trying to hurt myself. I'm like, I could have called anybody and said, could you just come over and help me lift up these two couches? But instead, I literally put them on my back like, and then, and then crawled up the stairs with them, like, and then I can't figure out why I ache. We, we don't ask because there's, there's a pride in our personalities. There's, there's a reluctance to say that we need help. But isn't prayer at its most basic level, maybe the truest prayer, maybe the only true prayer that a Christian can really pray is help? Someone said, no, 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 the truest prayer is, you know, it's adoration. Well, I would argue that adoration of God, God's adoration, God is glorified when his children recognize they need help. That we can't live life apart from Jesus. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And because of him, and because of the access that has been granted to us through his perfect life of obedience and his death as the sacrificial lamb, he who became sin who did not sin. He who knew no sin became sin that what? We might become the righteousness of God. What makes us righteous is our access to the one who is righteous. Our abiding with him, our engagement with him, our connection with him. That's why John Calvin said, prayer is the soul of faith. Ray Stedman, one of my fav favorite preachers of the Jesus movement, he said, prayer is forever the cry of a beloved child to his or her father. And frequently it is the cry of a lost child who does not know the way. What a beautiful description of prayer. You know that Luke uh, chapter 18 verses 13 and 14 when Jesus uses as an illustration a tax collector that comes into the temple and the tax collector prays this prayer standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you this man is the one who went down to his house justified because what do you have there you have that access it is the depth of our brokenness meeting the depth of God's provision his availability his abounding steadfast love, his mercy, which is new every day. What does it say? Let us approach God's throne of grace 
with confidence so that we may receive. Doesn't say stuff. Doesn't mean that there isn't stuff. In fact, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added to you. But we need to keep in mind that we have to be very careful when we talk about God's provision of things when the vast majority of the world's population lives in absolute poverty and will never get out of it. What does God primarily provide? The greatest gift that God gives is God himself. And we can never detach God from the gift. The gift is the giver. And what I need is not more things. What I need is God. There's things I'd like though. I really, I, there's quite a few things that I'd like. I, I'm like George McDonald. I, 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 I love beautiful things, but I'm content to live without them. And if I'm really honest, I would say I love beautiful things and I just love beautiful things. And that's why I need God every day, <laughs> every day. This is the reality. Our help must be in God. Authentic prayer is always the acknowledgement of a divine adequacy, God's ability to give us not necessarily what we want, but what we need. It's, it's awkward to ask God for something. How often we find ourselves asking for God to meet us in times of crisis, but we had been praying regularly, we probably would not have been in crisis. <laughs> is it, have you ever found yourself in that position? where I'm in a crisis because I hadn't been seeking God for any kind of length of time. And all of a sudden I'm in a crisis and I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably pray. This is why we need prayer. Prayer is a time exposure to God. It's access. Secondly, prayer is a gift. We don't know how to pray. In fact, Karl Barth argues that anyone that says they know how to pray is actually probably far from real praying. But the one who says, I do not know how to pray is the one who's in, in truth closer to real prayer. You see, Romans 8.26 says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Notice both the Hebrews passage and this passage refers to human weakness. Jesus is sympathetic to our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit understands our weaknesses because the Holy Spirit makes his home within us and everything we give our eyes to and our ears to and our hearts to, we are subjecting the spirit who dwells within us to those things. That is why I think the spirit in the Trinity, if I was to do a, 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 probably a not very sound theological thing and split up the Godhead, the Holy Spirit gets the bum deal in which he actually has to dwell in the hearts of, he's subjected to so much. <laughs> I don't think you can split the Godhead up that way. But, I, but, but here's the deal. It says the, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. A lot of people use, utilize this passage to argue that this is speaking of, of the gift of tongues. I do not personally believe that. I, I believe in tongues. I just don't believe this passage is speaking to that. I believe what the Spirit does is the Spirit is the interpretation, the interpreter of our childlike babble. That the Spirit, we pray, and it would be like having a translator who's better than the speaker, okay? So it's like, actually what he really means is, <laughs> like, Lord, I really want that new, I really want that new iPhone. And the spirit goes, Lord, give him gratitude. <laughs> what he wants is actually gratitude. <laughs> Lord, I, let, let me have this. Actually, what he really needs is, and it's kind of, isn't that what a parent does for kids? Like, they want that candy. No, you give them the carrots. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what the Spirit does. And, and you're bitter, maybe in the moment. But someone said, God doesn't answer my prayers. No, no, he always answers. It's just that sometimes the answer is no. Often the answer is no, because that's the best thing he could give you in that moment. Uh, why do we think that the best thing that we could get is everything that we want? It's, I think of all the things that I've wanted in life and most of those things would have ruined me in my youth. Prayer is a gift. It's not something that we're able to do. It's something we are enabled to do. 
Oswald Chambers says that prayer is the exercise of drawing on God's grace. It's the ability that flows out of the, the new birth. Now, I believe someone said, well, what about the, the moment of salvation? Before you're born again, I mean, you're praying, right? I believe that even that says, God says, no one comes to me. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. The Spirit draws. And I believe that, that there's a mystery involved of our responsibility and God's sovereign drawing. But for, my belief is that the Spirit basically frees a human being enough to say yes or no to God's yes. Prayer is a gift from God. Our ability, our desire to cry out to God is something that comes from that gift of being made in his image even. That there is, as it says, eternity placed in the heart of humanity. But the ability to pray comes when the spirit fills us. And that's why I always said that I like to use the, the illustration that comes from Proverbs that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. That a lamp without oil may be a lamp, but it cannot function without, without oil. It cannot function like a lamp. Human beings may be human beings without the Spirit of God, but we cannot function like human beings without the Spirit of God. We were intended to be a Spirit-filled humanity. And the Holy Spirit's filling is the gift that allows us to enter into that access, that communion. Jesus' finished work and the sending of his spirit is why we have the boldness and the confidence to go before God, knowing that we don't know what to pray, but trusting that God knows what's best for us. He already knows what we need before we ask, and yet he still invites us to ask. Isn't that beautiful? The spirit of prayer is the spirit of the new life. There must be spiritual life before there can be spiritual action. The ability and desire to ask are the infallible proofs of life. People that are constantly concerned with whether or not they're saved, I'm like, you wouldn't be concerned about that if you weren't. Uh, because before I came to know Jesus, I didn't feel bad about my sin. I, I felt lonely, I felt, I felt oppressed, I felt, I felt existential dread often. But I honestly enjoyed my sin in the moment, I just always hated the, after, the aftermath. It wasn't until I came to faith that I began to actually have a discomfort with the many things that I was quite comfortable with and even enjoyed and thrived in before I came to faith. And I think that, that this, in, this infallible proof of life is that ability, even the desire to desire to seek God. Second Corinthians 12, nine, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You guys, in the weakness of your prayer is the place where God can actually powerfully show up. Give him your weak time. Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid to come to him because you feel incapable. But there, there is a, a reality that prayer is access. It's a gift, but it is also a command. Prayer is commanded. Mark 14, 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Jesus commands the disciples to pray. I mean, when he says, and when you pray, he's assuming that that will be a part of a disciple's life. Pray like this. He himself, as the rabbi, as the good teacher, the way that a rabbi taught his students was by inviting those students to live with that rabbi in such a way that they were able to witness the means by which that rabbi exercises spiritual life. And Jesus was one who constantly gave himself to prayer. And here he calls them, remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he kept finding them sleeping. And he didn't, he didn't beat them up. He said, you can't, he, he, he cries out in his, in his human need. You couldn't stay awake for even an hour. But then what does he say? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus recognizes he's the sympathetic high priest who understands the weaknesses of the flesh. But he says one of the ways that we combat that is to obey the command to pray. Paul says pray without ceasing. Uh, that doesn't mean that you spend all day on your knees. It means that you, he's calling us to develop a continual recognition 
that we have access to a God who is closer to you are at every moment of every day than you are to your own thoughts. You don't need the church to draw near. You don't need anything to draw near, a place to draw near. What you need is an awareness of God's presence that is illuminated by the Holy Spirit because you and I are the temple of God now. And that temple means that we have 24-7 access to a God who is available. And the, the question is, is are we obeying the command? Because it's a faith unto obedience. I believe, therefore I follow. And I am pressing in to this reality that without Jesus, I can do nothing. John Wesley says, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. That God has sovereignly decreed to limit himself that he might invite us, broken conduits and vessels, to commune with him, to come to him with requests. Even though he knows what we need before we ask, he already, he already knows the things that we need, but he still wants us and calls us and commands us to come to him with those things. And what is God commanding us to enter into? A relationship. He's saying, come and be with me. You want, to, you, you want things from me, come and know me because the greatest condemnation that one can hear is away from me, I never knew you. Pray without ceasing. We can never be better in life than we are in our broken prayer life. We need to be a people that recognize that we don't know how to pray, but that doesn't stop us from praying. It doesn't stop us from coming to God and recognizing that he knows how to make sense of our broken prayer language, but there's nothing he can do with no prayer. Prayer is learned. Luke 11.1, 1, what is the request? Lord, teach us to pray. This means, when I say it's learned, I mean, it means that it's an adventure, that it's something that we exercise ourselves toward. What does Paul call that? Exercising yourself toward godliness. He says bodily exercise benefits a little, and as you get older, less, but spiritual exercise uh, benefits dramatically. I just looked out and saw Will here. Will's a boxer and I started training with him um, in, I think it was like in May and then the house happened. I'm sorry, Will. Uh, and, but just the intensity uh, and the, the focus that's required to develop uh, the skills of boxing and just the ache in my hands for the first six weeks of just punching mitts in a bag. And the, it, I felt like throwing up the first two workouts with them. And they, but the excitement in the, falling in love with the sport, becoming a true pugilist fan, the true word for boxing, uh, as it's called the sweet science, uh, that, that, that love continue to push me toward and I cannot wait to begin again because it's just like I fell in love with the sport and the beauty of the sport and 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 the the exercising and the disciplining myself toward it was because there's a there's a goal at the end which is I want to be able to beat up anybody no I'm just joking <laughs> I, I want to challenge a pastor to a to an amateur fight uh I'm actually too old to fight an amateur fight, sadly, I learned. Uh, but but there's a, there's the, there has to be a right affection if we're going to actually exercise ourselves towards something. That's why I don't, I've tried to give myself to running because they say it's good for me, but I don't like it. And so I don't stick with it. If you knew that the creator of the universe is available to you right now, would you not give yourself to whatever discipline is necessary to fully embrace that and experience that in all of its fullness. That it doesn't take some sort of special intellectual saint to find deep abiding access to Jesus. It requires the humble approach of a broken sinner 
who is a saint because Jesus Christ has proclaimed that those who put their trust in him are so. And as we press into that and push into that moment by moment, day by day, what we find is that we end up growing in our intimacy. Surprise, when you give time to someone, the relationship grows. When you give time to something, you grow at it, you, you, you improve at it. This isn't a ladder to climb. It, it's, it's, it's an embracing of what God has provided for us and then disciplining yourself toward that affection. Prayer is life creating and it is life changing. The joy that God gives us the ability to grow. Isn't it, aren't you grateful that, the, that, there's, that this isn't all there is and that the best is yet to come and that life has the ability to be an adventure and that intimacy with Jesus is not going to even end when, we're, when one day we meet him face to face we will have an eternity to grow in intimacy with him. I don't believe we will ever stop growing. I believe that the sign of, of the abundant life will be perpetual eternal growth. Christ by his spirit teaches us to pray, but we need to be good students. Finally, prayer is participation. And I think this is really important for us to understand in the day that we live. And I'll just say really quickly, every one of you have a part to play in the bringing of God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is the king. It's his kingdom. It's his ethics. Nobody knows when he will return, but he has in this age of grace determined and declared and willed that the church be the conduit by which his kingdom comes in part. That we are kingdom outposts, if you will, in a hostile territory. And that we have the ability to participate in God's work. Prayer aligns us with his work. When Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are, the old, those are the beginning points long before you get into give us this day our daily bread. All, these, all of those other aspects are the things that will give us the ability to be participants or fellow workers in his redemptive purposes for this world. Jesus has called us to be witnesses to the ends of the world, signposts that point to his gospel. Prayer aligns us with his gospel, reminds us of what we have been saved from and what we are saved to. Prayer is communion with the living God who even when we don't pray, loves us with an everlasting love. He's a good father. May we practice asking. Maybe the most simple prayer you can just pray today is Jesus help me. Jesus help me. Back in May when I stopped drinking, I, uh, I, that was my prayer. I realized that I was leaning upon certain things. I wasn't, I wasn't getting drunk, but just leaning on things as a means of escape. And as a pastor and the dangers of that, of, of the pressure and stress of, of being a pastor of a church, especially in a city like Portland, it's easy to look for ways to escape the responsibility of being a shepherd. And I just want a clear heart and a clear mind and a clear conscience. And I was like, Lord, I feel like this is becoming uh, um, something that is, I'm, I'm utilizing to escape pressure, to kind of turn off the mind at night. And, you know, and I would justify, oh, it's just a couple glasses of wine. But it was when I realized that it was actually affecting my behavior with my family. And my daughter said, Daddy, I think you should maybe not drink. When your daughter says you shouldn't drink, you should probably listen to that. And I remember waking up the next morning and I'm like, I'm not just going to not drink. She said, maybe don't drink for a couple of days. Maybe it's stressing you out. I, I was like, no, I need to not drink. And so I just woke up and I said, Jesus, help me. And that help began in such a divine way that literally I haven't even craved it since. 
I'm not saying that always happens. Sometimes it's a, it's a real labor of continual surrender of something. But there was just this immediate release from that as a thing. And it was a real freedom. And I've had people reach out to me because of it, because alcohol is becoming more and more prevalent. In, in time of COVID, there are so many vices that we're turning to. Uh, man, what if we use this time as a time to develop our prayer lives? Of just really grab the hold of the access that we have to King Jesus spent time in the word, spent time in prayer, spent time understanding the gospel so that we can be witnesses. Because this week we're looking at practice asking. Next week we're gonna look at practice listening. What does it mean to be alone with God? And to be okay with being alone with our thoughts where God can expose what's really going on in our hearts and in our minds. You guys, Jesus loves you and he is here to help you and faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to jump into the sea. Because it's not the amount of faith that you have in the king, it's the object of your faith that matters. And Jesus is good. And he is willing to grab a hold of the messy, broken babble that comes out of our mouths and hearts and distracted thoughts and bring great victory into our lives when we just simply turn to him like little children and say, Father, I need you, help me. This is the access that we have because of Jesus' great sacrifice on the cross for us. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for its ability to bring transformation to our lives. We do ask on this day that you would give us grace in this moment. Thank you that prayer is a gift, the gift that allows us access to you. Holy Spirit, you dwell within us. Jesus, you blazed the trail that opened up the doors of heaven to a broken and sinful humanity because God, you came down to earth and you took our brokenness into yourself. And Lord, we come to you and say, we do not know how to pray as we ought to. And Lord, we believe and we ask that you would help our unbelief. And we ask that you would Indeed, teach us how to pray. May we participate in your purposes. May we be witnesses to your kingdom. We love you. We need you. Thank you that the greatest gift that you give is yourself. We turn to you now, our Heavenly Father, and pray all these things in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. Would you guys stand with us? We're going to close with two songs. Um, and before we begin... Just want to remind you, if you didn't pick up communion on your way in, um, it's available at the front at the front desk for you. You could go and pick that up. There will also be prayer available in the rotunda during this time. Um, yeah, so that's welcome to you. There will be some staff and elders back there who are happy to pray for you. Um, and yeah, let's just close this service in a time of worship, um, and we'll end with a time of communion.
God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do, what to do.
fail when the pain of life prevails now is the time for earnest prayer our God is present everywhere our God is our God is present Our God is present Everywhere That my soul Pre-open. It's the way to do it, guys, during communion. During the song, just secretly pre-open as a part of your worship experience. <laughs> Last week, I'm like, I'm not even trying. I just pretended to eat it. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, was that bad? On the night of his betrayal, Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had broke the bread and blessed it, he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. You know, we take this sacrament seriously uh, because we need to be reminded of the basis of our access to God every week. Jesus was broken so that we, a broken people, could be made whole. So let us eat the bread in remembrance of him. Likewise, he took a cup and he said, this cup, represents my blood, the blood that is, he didn't even say it represents, he said, this cup is my blood, blood that is spilled for the forgiveness of the sins of many. I want you to drink this in remembrance of me, for life is in the blood, the scripture declares, and we are told that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. So let us drink in the cup of forgiveness, Jesus' blood spilled for us. Lord Jesus, you have given us access to the Father and you have sent your spirit to dwell within us. May we be a people that speak with you, that live for you, that points the world to you. May we do it in the power of your spirit to the honor of our heavenly Father who is available to us. Thank you, Father. 
It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.